Hello, welcome to episode three of Away Days presented by the Inter Miami podcast. We've made it three episodes. We haven't quit yet. We're here. We're doing it, baby. Yeah. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Callie. And I'm Brandon. Welcome aboard. Yeah, welcome, guys. Today's episode, uh, it's going to be a little different, something new, newer, you know, new in terms of as new as we already are. But uh, for today's episode, we're going to be breaking down the Eastern Conference uh, in a much more deconstructed way than uh, than we did with the Western Conference. And that's because we have an interview with Elias from The Ball is Round. And uh, it's something you guys are not going to want to miss. It was an excellent, excellent discussion. Uh, we, we were picturing it going about half an hour. I think we ended up talking for like an hour and change. So, yeah. Definitely don't want to miss it. And, you know, if you guys like it and you like that format, uh, let us know. We're going to try and get more pods on and just educate everybody on what's going on in other other cities. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm not going to spoil it too much, but keep your ear to the ground for March 1st. March 1st, we have a, a really we're recording a very exciting episode with the Inner Miami podcast. Um, I can't say too much. I won't divulge because I don't have permission and I don't want to get in trouble. I don't need to be scolded by Fan and Jay again for the fourth time today. So just be, just keep your ear to the ground. It's going to be a lot of fun. But for today, uh, yeah, we're just going to kind of run through the, we're kind of just kind of run through the East. We'll, we'll tell you what we think and then we'll, we'll end it with our spicy power rankings. We do not want to take up too much of your time because we want to make sure you have the listening capacity for our interview with Elias from the ball is round. So Brandon, start us off, baby. We're going to jump right in. Just like we did last week, we're doing uh, worst to first. And unfortunately there's a team who's going to start off as the worst, but they're really not Nashville coming back to the East baby coming home. Our uh, expansion brother, expansion sister, whatever you want to call it. They're back. Um, listen, I think they're going to have a solid season. They've got Walker Zimmerman, who's arguably the best defender in the league. Joe Willis, who is a monster in between the sticks. Um, you know, I think he's really going to help. They have lost some attacking power, but they brought in CJ Sapong, who we know can score in this league. So I, I think they can make the playoffs in the East, especially with the new format. Yeah, uh, Nashville's interesting. Um, they're, they're, they're one of my interesting takes for my power rankings. Um, but yeah, them coming from the West, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the dynamic kind of goes for them. Um, they, they, they were very good <laughs> last year in, in the West. Um, you know, they've finished the year with, uh, 50 points, 13 wins, 11 draws, 10 losses, goal differential of 10, but they did lose, like you said, some scoring power, but made a, you know, kind of recovered signing CJ Spong. So we'll see, we'll see. Um, next up, I have DC United, All right? DC United, a, a club that's uh, that's definitely going through it right now. Uh, only won seven games last year. They had a goal differential of negative thirty-five, only twenty-seven points on the year. Um, it's a team that's definitely in a in a bit of a recovery mode. Um, you know, as as far as the uh, the offseason, they just made a trade with Atlanta uh, for forward Miguel Berry for a grand total of 250000 allocation dollars plus 
a sell-on percentage. Um, and then they did sign uh, Matus Glitch from uh, uh, from Leeds United. So they, they're making some moves. Um, is it going to be enough? I personally don't think so. Um, you know, I, I think they're headed in the right direction. I think from for them, I, I do think they're, you know, yeah, they know what they're doing. I think the front office has an idea of kind of the direction they want to go. But they conceded the most goals last year in 71. Uh, they scored the fewest goals last year with 36. Um, yeah, it's going to be another tough season in D.C., I think. Yeah, I agree. And it's a shame they're debuting those uh, beautiful cherry blossom kits and they're going to struggle this year. I, I personally have them as probably wooden spoon contenders. Um, you know, I think Rooney um has a, has a chance to put something decent on the field but um i think they're building towards something i don't think that this is uh i don't think they're quite ready yet so hopefully there'll be some sustained success especially you know with our very own cali moving up there having to watch them on the regular hopefully they put together a nice product but this is i don't think this is their year yeah to be clear i will not become a dc united fan i will not i am not max ramos Loyalty. Loyalty. I'm loyal to Inter Miami. I'm sure I'll swing by some games, especially when they come up, and I hope that becomes a, an away trip that everyone comes up for. But anyway, we're moving on. Uh, next, Brenton, who do you have for us? Next up is Toronto. You know, very exciting last year when they signed uh, Insigne and Berdushi. Um, You know, Everybody thought they were going to come in and take the league by storm, and they kind of underperformed, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinions. Um, they did add veteran goalkeeper Sean Johnson from New York City FC, which I think um, is an interesting pickup. I was a bit surprised to see him actually leave um, NYC FC, but they're doing a whole roster overhaul, which we'll get to. But, um, you know, I, I think they've... They added Matt Hedges on defense, too, which is a pretty solid MLS defender. I think they'll be okay um, as far as, you know, they probably won't be as bad as last year, but I have them towards the bottom of the league. Um, I'm not sold on Insigne. I'm not sold on Berdushi. And I personally think there's a reason why NYCFC let Sean Johnson go. Uh, Maybe he has a good year this year, but I don't think long term he's the man there. And um, it's a shame I like him, but I I, I think Toronto's going to struggle this year. Yeah, um, I'm kind of on the same boat. Um, they won only nine, lost 18, drew seven, negative 17 goal differential. Um, as far as transactions go, yeah, they signed, um, you know, they signed Sean Johnson. They signed Sigurd Rosted on a, on a TAM deal. Um, you know, they... Tra- they traded for Brandon Cervania, uh from SC Dallas, and <coughs> or they traded. I'm sorry, yeah, they traded Brandon Cervania, uh from FC Dallas. Uh, you know, they they made a couple moves there, but I, I don't think it's going to be enough. I'm not personally sold on the Italians myself. Um, you know, they they were painfully average and basically across the board last year in both scoring and and defense. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sold. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Yeah. Well, um, up next, 
we have Chicago. All right, Chicago, a bit of an enigmatic team. Um, they they definitely struggled to to score to score last year. Um, they trade they traded. They sold their best player uh, to Aston Villa, John Duran, for twenty two million dollars. One of the biggest signings, uh, you know, one of the biggest MLS signings away to Europe in, in MLS history, if not the biggest, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he was their lead goal scorer. He only had eight. Um, so scoring was a bit of few and far between. Xander Chikoria and Chivalco followed up with scoring with seven and five, respectively. Um, they're a team that they, they were poor last year also, 10, 9, and 15, uh, only 39 points. Um, and as far as what they've done in the offseason, they, they really haven't done done much, nothing of, of note, nothing that's going to – you know, I think change things for for the better. So, I think unfortunately Chicago is in a bit of a rebuild, and I have them fairly low on the table for for next year. Yeah, see, I um I tend to agree with you. I think Chicago hasn't done a ton, but I think what they have done, I think um, it's kind of solidified the vision that they have for the team. I think Shakiri is too talented to have another season like he did last year. Um, you know, I also think with maybe the World Cup in the winter, I think maybe his focus was on that towards the end of the season. Um, I actually think Chicago is going to rebound, and I think that they they could squeak into the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of excitement around the team right now, on off the field and on the field. Um, so I, I'm hoping they can ride that momentum, but I, I could definitely see them making the playoffs this year. Mm. Our first disagreement. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, who do you have? Next? Moving on. Atlanta. Yes. Atlanta. Poor so, Atlanta. Biggest, uh, biggest news of the offseason. They lost their club legend, Joseph Martinez. He decided he wanted to play for a real team in a real stadium. Just kidding. Uh, can't beat the Benz. But, uh, yeah. Joseph Martinez leaves after being extremely disgruntled and all the issues that uh, that they had there with his morale. Um, but you know, I, I think Atlanta United has made this the signing of the the off season and Gareth Lagerway. I think stealing him away from Seattle is massive. I mean, the man was instrumental in building their CCL winning team and and the success they've had over the the last several seasons. Um, I think. You know, long term, that's a great move. Um, what they do with Boca, in my opinion, it's time to get him out of there and replace him. And I think yep. Loggerway probably will do that. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. I also, you know, they've added some some really good attacking players. I think Atlanta's going to be a high-scoring team. They're going to let in a lot of goals in the beginning of the season, uh, especially because Miles Robinson is just coming back. Um, and they signed a new center back, um, Lewis Abram from Peru, um, to partner with him. So they haven't had time to build chemistry. Uh, they signed Derek Etienne, comes over from Columbus. He had a decent season last year, nine <laughs> goals, three assists, and 33 games. And their biggest addition is the Greek international striker. I'm not going to try and say his name, but Gio. Don't do that to yourself. That's what I'm going to call him. Yeah, he's... He's had limited time at Celtic, so we really don't know what he's going to look like. But uh, the last big attacking 
option that came over from Celtic worked out pretty well in Mr. Lewis Morgan. So um, hopes are high. Hopes are high on this guy. So we'll see. Um, I, I think they struggle this year, though. I, I think they finish towards the bottom of the league. Yeah, again, they're a club that's kind of refining their identity. I think my hot take, I don't know, I don't even think it's a hot take. I think Boga's probably the first coach to go this year. Um, yeah, uh, that, that back line's rough. I do think Etienne's a great signing. Um, I think they brought in, you know, you know bringing the, the, the Greek freak, as I'm going to call him, because I'm not even attempt to pronounce that last <laughs> name. Um, it's going it, to, you know, it's going to help things and, and improving the front office is, is something they needed massively. You know, they're still going to have like, you know, Tiago Almeida and, and, you know, they, they have some guys, you know, uh, Robinson coming back, but you still got Guzan and goal. And I don't, I don't know what the, the obsession is there. They have some good young players, but I think that, yeah, I think it's going to be another rough year for Atlanta, unfortunately. I do like Etienne. Yeah. I'm a huge Etienne fan. Oh yeah. He's great, but yeah, he, he alone can't fix it. No, sir. All right, next up, we have the New England Revs, the unfortunate victims of Leo Campana's hat trick last year. Ooh, it was um, spicy. It was spicy. <laughs> the stadium was absolutely dead that day. Um, they were painfully average last year. Uh, 10, 12, and 12, negative three goal differential, 42 points on the year. Uh, some interesting signings. Um, Dave Romney, uh Signed to a Tam deal, Latif Blessing signed to a Tam deal. Um, you know they uh, Andrew Farrell Tam deal. Uh, home uh, signed a homegrown guy uh, Jack pa- Panayotu. Uh, you know re-signed Ignacio Gill. Uh, it, you know they they've made moves. They've I think they've definitely they've definitely improved with a team that came off from winning the supporter shield to having definitely a less than desirable year. Um, you know, they, they had a massive, massive drop off again, uh, 50 goals conceded 39 goals scored among the worst, um, uh, in, in foot in, in MLS last year, I'm sorry, 47 goals scored still among the worst in MLS last year. Um, you know, I, I do think they get better. I think this is a better club than it, than it was when the season ended. Uh, is it enough to get into the playoffs? I, I, I suppose we'll we'll see. But <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where I stand. Yeah, I, I think we agree on that. I don't see. New England as a playoff team, even with the nine teams or whatever making it, maybe they make the play in game or whatever it is. But I, I don't think they've really done a whole lot to their team. You know, I know Bruce Arena really likes to build through the draft and homegrowns and things like that. And I just don't see them having the talent this year to compete with the top teams in the East or really many of the teams in the East, because I think there's a lot of parity on the East. And I, I don't think they've done enough to keep up with some other teams. So I, I don't think they have a good year this year either. Yeah. But, you know, moving right along, moving into uh, our next team, Charlotte. You know, season number two in MLS. Um, first off, before we get into anything, you know, I, I know I speak for Cali in the Inner Miami podcast, and I say our condolences go out to the family of Anton Walkies. It, tragic, man. 25-year-old. Passed away. Um, a lot of, of life, love man. coming out of Charlotte, Atlanta. 
um, you know, some great things that those, those groups are doing together to support his family, you know, check it out on Twitter. You guys can find it. Uh, they have a scarf that they're putting together half and half that, um, the proceeds are going to their families. So highly recommend you guys check that out. Um, you know, I, I think they ended last season on a high, um, after starting off, you know, with their coach saying they weren't gonna, and they were fucked or whatever he said, but you know, screw. Oh no, that's actual translation is fucked. Actually, so you're right. right. So, so you know, I think they had they have their coach now, who se- they seems to be getting some buy in from the players. Um, you know, they added what I think is their biggest was their biggest weakness. They added a DP number nine, which is what they were missing last year. Um, they even brought over Ashley Westwood uh, from Burnley, who brings 286 games of EPL experience to the team. So I think he's going to anchor their their midfield and defense. And, you know, Enzo Capu- Capetti is going to start kicking in their goals from the number nine position. So I'm a little optimistic that they improve over last year. I don't know that they've improved enough to make the playoffs, but um, we'll see. We'll see on that. Um, I I'll I'll start off by saying that I do think Charlotte makes the playoffs. Um, I do have them getting to the playoffs. Uh, finish ninth in the East, thirteen three and eighteen. Not very very little amount of draws. Um, lost a lot of games, but their goal differential is only negative eight, so they kept it close. Um, which if I'm a Charlotte fan, I'm, I'm I guess I'm, I'm reassured by. Um. You know, they, they released Jordy Reyna. Um, they traded for uh, Bill Talima from, from Portland, uh, signed Enzo Capote as a DP, a Capetti. Uh, you know, it, it was <laughs> it's a fun team. I do have a bit of a soft spot in my heart for Charlotte as a former uh, North Carolina resident. Uh, they were dead middle of the pack in scoring with uh, 52 goals, uh, or I'm sorry, in defense, 52 goals conceded on the year. Um, scoring wise, they were 23rd bottom. of So towards the bottom of the pack, definitely, definitely struggled. Um, I do think that there's, there's talents on the roster and I, I do think that they can make a push. Um, I do have them being better than ninth, not a lot better, but you know, a year ago that gets them to the playoffs. This year, I th- I think they're they're a playoff team with a new format. So nice, yeah. Um, moving on, I have uh, Columbus. All right, Columbus, another team that uh, you know they were they 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 were on the outside looking in in terms of playoffs. They they had a positive record: 10, 10 wins, sixteen draws, eight losses, uh, five. Uh, goal differential of plus five, 46 points on the year. Um, had an a, exciting player in uh, Zalal Ryan, uh, 10 goals, 12 assists, far and away their most productive player. But uh, they lose Etienne. They still have Cucho. They still have Diaz. You know, they, There's still some talent on the roster. Um, Columbus Crew, 46 points, scored 41 conceded so it's a team that they you know they they were painfully in the middle of the pack um you know i 
it's tough to say, man. It's tough to say. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, Jalil, I, yeah, it, it's, I struggled with Columbus too. Um, you know, they also well, created think, away Jonathan Mensah, which was which was a good. Thing I think that's going to hurt him. I think yeah. that's going to hurt him a lot. I'm a big Mensah fan. Um, you know, I think that's going to hurt them. Um, I do still have them making the playoffs. I think I have them ninth. Um, just sneaking in with the new format. Um, I think the loss of Etienne is going to hurt them, but I do think that Zellerion is probably going to carry them this year. I think he's he's primed to have a really good season. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. But um, Columbus is probably one of the harder teams for me to get a read on for some reason in this. this yeah, uh, that's, that's my. Yeah, that's that's my issue. Also, I just I, I don't know what to expect from them. Yeah, but, but you know, we'll see. Moving yeah. right on. <laughs> uh, all right, so I'm going to try and stay biased on or unbiased on this. I'm not, um, and I'm also going to point out that before anybody gives us some nasty email or nasty tweet, tweet, we know we left out Inter Miami and Montreal. It's covered in our interview coming up. All right. <laughs> so, um, you know, jumping right into Orlando. Orlando shitty. I mean, city. Sorry. Um, okay, it happens. <laughs> you know, reigning U.S. Open Cup champs. Um, you know, I, I think while all the experts say they had an excellent offseason, the best offseason of any team, I don't think, I don't see it. I, I think they added depth. And I, but I, I don't think they added a lot of proven commodities. I think they are taking risks on their new signings. If the risks pay off, I, I could be totally wrong, and they could be top four in the East. But I, I'm going to err on the side of caution. I don't think that the risks are going to pay off. I think they, um, you know, for me, their biggest offseason move was holding on to Pedro Galisi. Um, he really anchors that defense and really holds it down. Uh, man's a great keeper. And I have a lot of respect for what Oscar Perez is doing there. Um, with him at the lead of that team, you really can't ever count them out. Um, he's a phenomenal coach, but um, I don't have them as high as a lot of people. I have them in the playoffs. I have a middle-of-the-pack playoff team. Um, but I've seen them as high as one or two and stuff, and I just don't see that. Um, especially with two losses automatically to enter Miami this season. I don't see it happening. Yeah. Um, people, experts <laughs> are very high in Orlando. I don't see it. I think they're a playoff team. Let me get yeah. that out of the way. I think they're, they're not only they're a playoff team, they're comfortably a playoff team. Like, I don't, I don't think there's, you know, unless travesty happens, I don't, I don't see a world where they don't make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, just want to point out they finished behind enter Miami last year. You know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, Spoiler alert: I have them doing the same thing this year. Oh, look at that! Fourteen wins, six losses. Four. Uh, I'm sorry, fourteen wins, six draws, fourteen losses. Same exact win re- uh, win loss record as Miami. Um, very similar numbers across the board. Uh, negative nine goal differential, also the same as Miami. Forty eight points on the year, also the same as Miami. All right. So with that, um, Orlando has a hard time keeping the ball out of the net for a team to have a negative differential and still crack the playoffs. And this goes for obviously both Orlando and Miami. Um, you know, things need to be addressed. Uh, I do think they got better. I don't think they're a top team in the East. You know, I think they're, they're, a, there'll be a playoff team. They'll be just fine. 
Um, you know, th- there's nothing, there's nothing outstanding about them. They were 22nd in the league in scoring with 44. Uh, they, they, well, allowed 55 goals in last year, which was, you know, not great. Um, about middle of the pack. So, yeah, you know, they, 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 you know, I don't think they've improved enough to like improve those numbers by, by no. And I think a lot of the experts are take, forgetting to take into account that they're playing CCL this year for the first time ever. Like that yeah. affects teams in the beginning of the season. And I just don't see them. I just don't see them having a top two season. But anyway, moving on. Yeah, moving on. (laughs) We have Cincinnati, who's a very, very exciting team. Um, They had a very good year last year. 12 wins, 13 draws, 9 losses, 8 goal differential, 49 points. Um, This is a team that's very top-heavy in scoring, but just guys pumping out dumb numbers. Brenner, who's absolutely incredible, MVP candidate, 18 goals, 6 assists. Uh, Vasquez, 18 goals, 8 assists. Acosta, 10 goals, 19 assists, which is just absolutely bonkers. Barrell, 5 goals, 9 assists. Like, just scoring for fun. Very fluid offense. Very fun team to watch, uh, admittedly enough. Um, they were 4th in the fourth in the league in scoring last year. Uh, they did give up uh, 58 goals, which puts them 5th uh, from the bottom in, in, in terms of defense. Now they've made some signings. They, they're, they're, you know, they've done just fine in, in that regard. But I don't think that's the, uh, I don't think that's the storyline. I think the storyline is that Brenner has basically said he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. So what happens? You know, he's going to have to wait it out till summer, regardless. But we, what I think may happen in Cincy is what happened in Atlanta with Joseph. And we've seen it happen with other clubs when it, when a guy just doesn't want to be there anymore, and he's trying to leave, and he's had opportunities to leave, and the club hasn't let him. I think that's going to sour the dynamic in the locker room, which always translates onto the pitch. So I still think Cincinnati's a very, very, very good team. I think they are among the best teams in the East this year. Um, but you have to you have to ask what happens. You have to ask how that translates. Yeah, I have them as top four in the East. Um... And and the whole season to me depends on Brenner. Um, if he stays around for the full season, I, I think they could be maybe as high as two, but we'll see. Um, I'm I I think they're fun to watch. I, I really like Acosta. I like the way they play. I like their midfield. Um, I don't think they've done anything to really address their defensive problems. So that that could be an issue that comes back to bite them. But I think they'll outscore anybody. Um, and you know, if Brennan really wants the move, he, this is his chance first half of the season. If he torches the rest of the league, you know, he's probably gone, but he's probably puts in in a good enough place to survive the season. Yeah. I will say if, if they figure out with Brenner and they, they can, you know, sweep everything under the rug or, or, you know, right the ship. I don't think it's crazy to say that, that since he can compete for the East, I still think Philly is very, very good, but you know, we'll talk yeah. about that in a second, but. You know, we'll see. Anyway, again, uh, moving on, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, moving on to New York Red Bulls. Um, you know, I, exciting team. They've kept most of their core team together, and their core the core of their team is in their prime. They're young guys. They're they're ready to compete. Um, they did lose Aaron Long, who you know 
we touched on him last week. I won't go into it. But, you know, he did anchor that defense for six years. So that is going to be a bit of a hole to fill, which I think they can do. Um, they've added some depth pieces, mainly Corey Burke, uh, forward from Philly, who had seven goals and five assists last year coming off the bench. I think he's going to be a great piece for them. Hopefully he's going to get more of an opportunity than he did at, in uh, Philly. Um, they added uh, Dante Venzier, Belgian international forward, who scored 12 goals and 12 assists in 28 games for Union SG in the Belgian League. Like That's some pretty serious numbers there. So what I thought was already a pretty decent attack when you compare add those guys with Lewis Morgan and the likes of them, I think they're going to outscore a lot of teams. And I think this is going to be the year that the Red Bulls really come on and probably challenge for top seed in the East. I have them as it's number two. Yeah, this is uh, the year of the Red Bull, if you will. I think they have all the tools. I think they, they're they pretty strong in every phase of the field. Um, you know, last year, <laughs> they, were, they were very good. They, you know, finishing the four seed, fifteen wins, eight draws, eleven losses, plus nine goal differential, fifty three points. Um, you know, it's, it's an exciting team. It's a fun team. They 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 play well. They play fast. Uh, fifty one goals on the year, so just outside of the top ten. But they only conceded forty three, which is among the best in the. <clears throat> it, it was top five in the the league last year. So if they can continue that with these additions. And I it it wouldn't be it wouldn't shock me if if you know by the end of October we're talking about Red Bulls you know sitting atop the league. Yeah. Um. Next up, we have the other team in New York, NYC FC, came on coming off a very very good year: sixteen wins, seven draws, eleven losses, plus sixteen goal differential, fifty five points on the year. Okay, but they lost a lot. Um, this is a team that I think we're going to see have a massive, massive fall from grace. Um, you know, they, you know, obviously, you know, everything that happened with Maxi. They did sign Matias Pellegrini, former Inter Miami player, the 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 one that never was Pella right? Messi. Pella Messi. You know, they they traded Herber Arruo to. To Seattle for a good chunk of change, about five hundred and fifty thousand in GAM. Um, made a made a couple signings, but nothing nothing super sexy. Uh, signed Justin Hawk as a midfielder who, who has some hype around him as a as a homegrown. Um, traded for Matt Freeze, the goalkeeper, for uh, a fat chunk of seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars in GAM. Um, had an okay draft. Uh, this is a team that I think where is is going to take a, a massive step back. I'm not even going to bother with their stats from last year. Um, you know, Cassiano. You know, you know, Cassie's gone. All, all these, they're yeah, all gone, man. They're all they're all gone. <laughs> yeah, Herb is gone. Talons is gone. Maxi Morales is gone. Like Gloucester's gone. Like they're all gone. You know, it, it's uh, you know they still have Tyus Mango who, who Magno who's you know. People are excited about Gabriel Pereira, which is fine. But listen, I think their theme a team song take... for the season should just be "Free Fallen" by Tom Petty. That's what's going to happen. Oof, too good a song for them, in my humble <laughs> opinion. Um, but yeah, I think I think NYCFC has a massive drop off. Yeah, I don't think they make the playoffs, and I think they struggle real bad. Um, you know, 
there's too many people they've lost to really get into it, but I, I really do. I, I have them towards the bottom of the East. Same. Yeah. Free falling. That's what's happening. <laughs> All right. And wrap us up, Branson, with our review. And with then we'll, the, we'll quick fire the, the power rankings. Yeah. With uh, ending with the uh, almost champs, the Philadelphia Union. Made it to the MLS Cup, lost on pens. We all know how that went. Um, listen, I, I think they got stronger this offseason. I think they did a great job adding team, adding to their defense with adding Damian Lowe. He gives them the ability to kind of move systems, and they can even play with three at the back if they wanted to, which is something I, I've seen Jim Curtin try and do, but I don't think he had the depth before. He got Andres Perea from uh, Orlando City, who's a box-to-box midfielder, 22 years old, ton of talent. I think that just – He's going to replace Paxson Harrison, who only played twice last year, but somehow is at Frankfurt now. I don't understand that move, but we don't have time for that. <laughs> they also got Joaquin Torres from uh, from Montreal, who had ten, um, who can play the ten or the nine. He had seven goals, two, 12 assists, and thirty seven games last year. They're they're gonna. My opinion is they're gonna run away with the East if they don't focus a hundred percent on CCL. Yeah. That's my th- my thoughts. Yeah, I, I think that's that's fairly accurate. A team that led the league in scoring, um, seventy one goals on the year. They had a ridiculous goal differential, forty six. Uh, only five losses, nineteen wins. Um, <coughs> I mean, it with all their additions, it, it's it's hard to pick against them. Like, you know, what can you say? You know, this is a team that definitely earned their spot in, in the MLS Cup last year. Gave us one of the most exciting finals I've ever seen in my life in, in any sport. Um, yeah, man, I think the East is theirs to lose, very much so. Uh, I think I think Cincy and, and Red Bulls can be a competitor, but we'll you know we'll leave it at that. So yeah. So let's jump straight into power rankings, and then we will bring you into our interview with Elias from the ball is around. So I'll start us off. We have 15 teams in the East now. All right. At 15, I have DC United. DC United. All right. At 14, I have Atlanta. Ooh, I have Toronto. Ooh, interesting. 13. I have Chicago. I have Atlanta at 13. Okay. 12. I have Toronto. 12, I have New York City FC. 11, I have NYC FC. I've got New England. Ooh, wow. 10, I have... This is one of my my first spicy ones, Columbus. Ooh, I've got Charlotte at 10. Ooh, this is going to be interesting. 9, I have the Revs. I've got Columbus at 9. Okay, 8, I have Nashville. 8, I have Chicago. Ooh, wow. Some discrepancy there. Yeah, I, I had Nashville fall in a bit. Seven, I have Charlotte. Seven, I have Montreal. Six, I have Montreal. I've got Nashville at six. Okay, five, I have Orlando. I have, uh, there's a little discrepancy there. I have uh, Orlando shitty. Okay. Five. <laughs> okay. Uh, four, I have the Herons. Enter Miami at four. I do too. I do too. All right, number three, I have, and this is where we might see our differences here a little bit. Uh, New York Red Bulls at three. 
I have Cincy at three. I have Cincy at two. I've got Red Bulls at two, and, and both got Philly. We both got Philly. So that's it. Our power rankings are obviously good as gold. Um, we're, we're, you know, we're obviously right. You guys can cry about it if you want. Um, yeah, even so, though our rankings are different, we're both right. <laughs> yeah, that's how this, that's how this works. Um, so coming up now, we have our interview with Elias from the Ballers Round. Please, please, please enjoy. It's an excellent conversation. I think you guys will love it. There's also, for those of you who missed it at the beginning, there's also a Than Harrington appearance in our interview as well. There is a Than Harrington appearance, which I know the fans will love. So here it is, our interview with Elias from The Balls Round featuring Than Harrington from the Inter-Miami podcast. All right, joining us now for this segment, we have not one, but two special guests. Uh, first... You guys know him from the Inter-Miami podcast universe, the co-hosts of the Inter-Miami podcast, your favorite Viking, Than Harrington. Than, how are you, man? Hey, guys. How's it going? I'm happy to be here. You know, kind of glad that Jay let me out of the doghouse to do something by myself for once and uh, kind of it's going to have a good time tonight. Can't wait. I am so proud of you for finally standing up to Jay. I, it's about I finally found my voice. I found my voice. Look at you growing before our eyes. And definitely more importantly, uh, we are pleased to welcome from the ball is round, a Montreal FC podcast, Elias Grigori. This, I definitely butchered that. I'm very sorry, but you better than yourself. better than most people on the first try. So <laughs> it's a, it was a good attempt. Yeah. Um, so, they, so how are you doing? I'm doing good, you know, four days, but four days until opening day. So I'll do a lot. I'll be a lot better in four days. But overall, just excited to finally see what kind of finished product both teams put together because it's two very different teams from last year. Two very different teams. Um, but before we dove, dive into it, something I love to ask. Uh, so what, what's your, your football origin story? How did you get to this place? So yeah, growing up in Canada, it's it's hockey usually comes first for a lot of people but soccer is, is sometimes seen as you know the thing you do in the summer to stay in shape for hockey season but um my grandfather was a, a huge ike athens fan and he kind of instilled this love of soccer onto me and and uh from a very young age you know it, getting to watch back then the montreal impact uh you know uh when i was Know, 10 or 11 years old I started watching Barcelona and fell in love with that so it was it was through my grandfather and then you know just being able to to grow up in still a, a very rich soccer environment which is Montreal because you know even though hockey is is predominant we have a, a massive immigrant population right and you know a bunch of Greek people who also love their soccer you know winning Euro 2004 doesn't hurt so uh, just through that and just sheer exposure to all these different sources of soccer and, and, and fandom, it, it, it's impossible not to really immerse yourself in it. Very good. <clears throat> all right. So the reason you're here, we're talking Montreal. It's coming up soon. Um, but before we get into the game itself, how did Montreal's preseason go in terms of, you know, player loss, player acquisition, you know, to form the team that we're going to see in a couple of days. It started off great. I mean, three players leaving, but for, for a change, players are leaving for the right reasons, right? Their performances 
you know, Alistair Johnson, Ishmael Kone, and George Mihalovic played so well that they, they got, you know, multi-million dollar moves to, to European clubs, which is kind of rare for Montreal, given that whenever someone leaves, it's usually because they're not performing, not because they're performing too well. So it started off on a great note. People were optimistic, you know, a, a good playoff run for a team with not much playoff experience and all this optimism. And then it only went downhill from there, you know, up until training camp, you know, Wilfred Nancy ups and leaves for Columbus and then the whole Kai Kamara trans, uh, trade request. So it, it's been very difficult to focus just on the soccer. It's fo- difficult to focus on purely on-field results. Um and Nanosada has a huge task ahead of him because this is a club that is committed to only or almost exclusively developing young talent. So this, I think it's the only team in MLS with only one designated player. That is Victor Wanyama. So there is a lot of, of question marks because of the fact that there is a lot of turnover. But at the same time, Nanosada is committed to using the same tactical formation in terms of broad strokes, right? He plays a bit more Argentinian, if you will. It's it's a bit more direct. It's a bit more high pressing and high energy, but it'll still be three back for the most part. They'll still want to control the ball as much as possible. And of the surefire starters last year, nine of the 11 are still there. So it was a very tumultuous off season and them getting past that as quickly as possible and having a good training camp was really important. They didn't lose a game in training camp. They went undefeated. They had uh, three wins and two draws, if I'm not mistaken. So that's good. But again, you know, the fact that this is a personal grip. We don't see any of the the, the Florida um, preseason games. They're not broadcast. They're not um, uploaded after the fact. It's something that's been an issue for a long time and hopefully this this deal with apple can maybe change that but it's so tough to kind of get a general idea of how the team's doing when the only two games we could see were against u23 and then an all-star team of semi-professional players sir you have to understand that we don't even get to see our own highlights half the time so it's kind of one of those things that just comes with the territory of uh being down in South Florida, being at our own training grounds. I mean, it's uh, one of our own gripes as well, but I'll leave it at that before I get myself in trouble. Well, yeah, we got we, lucky. We... Callie and I were able to uh, attend for season ticket holders. They let us into the friendly against Austin on Saturday. So we got to wow. see. Must be nice. Yeah, we got to see our first team lineup go up against their first team lineup. And, you know, I know we're hoping that the experts at MLS are all wrong at their their predictions because we looked really good against what I think is probably one of the teams to beat in the West with Austin, but you're absolutely right. I mean, hopefully next year, Apple's going to start streaming these preseason games. There's a couple of streams. So hopefully it's a a more widespread policy next year. Yeah. But how many other fan bases have to deal with a drone that is being flown? It seems like 200 feet over top of the stadium (laughs) to watch a beautiful strike from their star striker. How many other fan bases are going to have to go through with this right now? Yeah. We, we got to see, uh, I forgot, I I forgot which friendly it was exactly. It was the revs. It was the revs. Yeah. That we, you know, we get some, some beautiful play and then, you know, Leo Campana hits a, it's a beautiful shot, but it looks like it was filmed from the moon. (laughs) <laughs> like grainy I, I felt like i was watching it like on a like on a, on a betamax or something like that man but but yeah it's brutal but yeah i, I like how apple tv had the had a couple preseason games the production quality looks pretty good so far so that's exciting 
But in terms of Montreal, I think I always really appreciate when a when a club takes the initiative to invest in their development and invest in bringing young players up, and and I think that's really cool that what you guys are doing over there. Yeah, I mean it's it's Olivier Renault, who's a sport, who's, who's a sporting director. This is his baby, right? This is he wants to bring the club as close as possible to the standard of European clubs, where you know you have a reliable academy and. That is a constant stream of players. You know, there they may not all be. Most of them won't be Ishmael Kone, who spends one year and then moves to a team that might end up in the Premier League. But you'll have a lot of really decent role players, and that's kind of what's happening now. Whether they come back on loan uh, from the CPL or they come up through the academy, this is what they're trying to do. So, I mean, last year was a last year was a success, and this year they're looking for proof of concept, basically to show that this is a viable thing they can do. Yeah, that's exciting. So kind of speaking about young talent and coming off of the preseason, what's your expectations for the season? Where do you think you guys are going to end up? And and what do you think the season's going to look like? It's, it, it is so difficult to, 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 put a, to put an exact number on it. I do think this is a playoff team. Um, we've seen, especially given that, you know, when it comes down to big games and it comes down to important moments, they do have that starting 11 that is more or less completely familiar with one another. So I think that when it gets down to the stretch, especially given the fact that they have so many away games at the beginning of the season, the end of the season is going to be very home game heavy. That, you know, when you need a result, it's so much easier to do it in front of, in front of a home crowd that, I think that they're still a playoff team. I don't think they'll be second in the East again. I don't think they'll be up two points off the supporter shield. But I think that them even fighting for, you know, sixth or seventh or eighth or ninth now with the with the new MLS playoff rules uh, is very, very much on the table, right? I, a lot of MLS experts were predicting, you know, bottom third of the East. I think that's a little overdramatic. I mean, they had much all for dead last in uh, two years ago, and then they ended up finishing eighth or ninth. So I think that it, it, a lot of people are maybe ringing the doomsday alarm a bit too soon. Uh, this is still a team with a lot of technical quality. It's a team with, you know, Romel Kyoto on his day is one of the best strikers in the league. You saw it last year when, you know, he went on an insane run where he kind of had to put the team on his back when George Mihalovic was injured and he was playing at an MVP level. And granted, you know, with his injury history, history and some issues with consistency, I don't think he'll be in the, in the MVP conversation, but he is at that level where he can pull out games like that, where he can win the game virtually single-handedly. So games like that are, are what tell, or what differentiates someone from making the playoffs and not. So I think that this team is still in the running for the playoffs. I think that that's definitely an objective and, and a very realistic possibility. But second in the East is maybe a little optimistic. Yeah, and I think it's easy for people to to kind of freak out when there when there is that kind of roster tone yeah. turnover and some bigger names leave the club. But MLS is so weird in terms of predictions because things can change so quickly. Um, I think I think MLS is is very unique in that regard that the the you know the the summer window will will come around and all of a sudden who knows from Europe shows up and it changes the entire dynamic of of the club you know like like for us for example and it wasn't a europe transfer but with us last year like you know people predicted us to be pretty you know pretty low in the in the standings you know we end up getting pozuelo for the for the short amount of time we we had him but it completely changed the dynamic and that can happen for anybody 
Yeah, I mean, look, far be it for me to give any TFC player um, any credit. Zola <laughs> is an incredible signer, you know? and he, he he has moments where he he plays an MVP level. He is a former MVP. Him and Joseph Martinez are, are both former MVPs. So if they can discover that form again and, and get clicking, then incredible potential. If only that were going to happen, but we didn't <laughs> re-sign him and we shipped him back to Turkey or wherever he went off to. I think he went off to Turkey. It was Turkey, not... yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so the day before the earthquake, which was... Yeah. So yeah. we're left with Pizarro and Martinez. Well, we don't know who's going to play the 10 yet. I still think it's going to be Stefanelli, but... Bryce, I think it's gonna be I'm high on him. All right, yeah, I could live with Bryce. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> we we have our own disaster class on our <laughs> end. <laughs> but uh, aside, uh, you know, we we saw the run that Kyoto went on last year. Who are some other names to watch in Montreal? Whether it be names that we've heard before, maybe someone up and coming that that's flying under the radar, a young guy coming up through the system. One of the biggest ones is actually one of the more disappointing stories. It's it's Michael Miljevic, who was the heir apparent to Georgi Mihailovic, who was that in that number ten role, who had you know some parts of his game to kind of refine last season, especially his work off the ball. With the ball, he's excellent, but without the ball, he still needed some work, and that's where Georgi Mihailovic done the best. Right when he didn't have the ball, that's when he was at his most dangerous, and that wasn't the case with Miljevic. And this year, it seemed like he finally got that figured out. You know, whether it was in-game scenarios, whether it was during the scrimmages we got to to watch, he seemed to be a lot more effective and a lot more decisive. And then he goes and tears his meniscus, and he's out for two to three months, and he needs surgery. So, I mean, two or three months is usually ends up being three or four months if you factor in, you know, getting back into shape and uh, being completely healthy and getting fully reintegrated into the squad and being a hundred percent match fit, it takes you know an extra couple of weeks. So that was the that was the guy that was kind of going to solve the big Georgi Mihalovic question mark, and it's not the case anymore. Luckily, there are a lot of young and exciting midfielders. You have uh, Sean Rea, who was the under twenty one Canadian Player of the Year in the CPL last year, who's most likely going to step into that role. Was probably going to be second fiddle or the second string number 10. Uh, you have someone like Nathan Saliba, who's an academy player who has had a, a rock star uh, training camp and who's been one of the biggest improvements. And then you also have Sunu Ibrahim, who has had a goal involvement in every single friendly so far, who struggled last year with finding you know some game time. The one time he did start, he got a hat trick in the Canadian Championship. Um, he had malaria for a bit of last season, so he didn't, it took him a while to to recover his form yeah so it's it's been a very difficult year for him and the fact that he's been able to to get back have some really good chemistry with Ramon Kyoto and Mason Toy who's another striker that's looking to find some consistency so I think Sunus Ibrahim is finally ready to you know establish himself as as a main stay on that roster and maybe even challenge for that for that second striker to play in behind Kyoto but uh yeah, I think Sean Rea and Sunsi Ibrahim are the two players to watch this season, especially if he, if Sean Rea can really make the role his before um, Michael Milivich gets back. And, you know, he has an insane amount of confidence. We got to speak on him, speak with him uh, on the ball around uh, two weeks ago, and he's just overflowing with, with confidence and energy. And he's just really looking forward to, to making that position his. So those are definitely the two players to keep an eye out for. 
before I say anything else, I'm just I didn't know malaria was a thing people still got. So yep, thank you for that uh, piece of information. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's exciting, you know. The it, it's it's cool to have guys like that that you're excited about. You know, I think Miami's is finally at a point now that we're starting to see guys really come through the system. You know, we've had Noel Allen who's going to be out for a couple of weeks, unfortunately, who was you know at least begging the question if you should start a left a left back. You know, we had I'm Mbika come up through the, through you know through the draft and through the IMCF two or four letter you know, CF, whichever one you want to call it. And uh, now we got Benja Kramashi making his way up. So it's re- it's really exciting to see that you guys have young players. And I, was fe- yeah. I, was feeling, uh, I was feeling a little more confident about Saturday, but you, you're, you're definitely changing my mind a bit. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's a cautious optimism. You know, you see, you get to go to training camp, especially for the Montreal leg. I got to go to, you know, two or three sessions a week, and you get to see uh, just how, well, how they're playing together. And there's definitely chemistry that's starting to build there and everybody seems very excited and in much better shape than, you know, this time last year, given how much Ananda Sada wants to press and wants to win the ball back high. Um, some of the strikers were a bit out of shape and they were corrected very quickly. So even someone like Ramel Kyoto, who's been, who has a bit of a reputation of, you know, let me do my own thing. Don't tell me what to do. He was. He looks trim. He looks like he's in really good shape, and he's been running a lot. So, hopefully, that's an indication of, of things to come. So, Elias, obviously, you guys have Kyoto, but do you anticipate seeing Jules Anthony Vilsaint run out at all? I mean, you guys only signed him ten days ago from Antwerp, but um, I mean, do you expect to see him get any burn throughout the season? It's interesting because him and Chinonzo Four, who came back from loan in Belgium, are both two players that are, are in, they were in mid-season when they came back from when they were when they were acquired or brought back. So it'll be interesting to see, especially at the beginning of the year, because friendlies only do so much. Eventually, you know, mid-season form, even w- whether or not you play, mid-season form is mid-season form. There's a reason they call it that. So even if it's off the bench, when you need a goal or you need you know some kind of result, you look to the people that. You, you'll be able to, to depend on. And someone like Jonathan Vincent, who's also quite versatile, he could play on the flank, he could play as a 10. That's how he actually was was developed as, as a 10. And then his size kind of pushed him into that, that striker, that center forward role. But I think someone like that can absolutely make his mark because he's versatile, he's two-footed, and he's very quick. So he can uh, he can get into really good positions. And he's also like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, so he'll be able to... to play that, that Kai Kamara role where you kind of take advantage of the entire defense uh, as a substitute and, and you get in a goal too. Yeah, that's exciting for you guys. I mean, it could be a good prospect for you and the Canadian national team as things move forward. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm interested to see his development going forward. Absolutely. He's a, he's another exciting forward to watch. So there's a lot of exciting, you know, prospects, but the whole thing is how will it translate against Grown ass men on the field uh, at an MLS level. <laughs> that's 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 the only thing, right? Seeing them play is, is good, and there's quality there. But when it, when when game you know, time uh, approaches, it's an entirely different scenario. Oh yeah, we know that here. Trust me, we think we're gonna be world beaters, and then we get <clears throat> beaten up. But you know, kind of along those lines, what are your expectations for our, our MLS season opener? against each other what are you thinking um 
what are you thinking about the matchup? You know, any score predictions you want to share? Last year, Miami was very, at least for Montreal, was very difficult to play against. Um, you guys made it a lot more difficult than, you know, it should have been. If you look at, you know, maybe rankings or, or the way the season's gone, but you have a very, I don't know how that's going to change this year without Gonzalo Higuain, but you had a very direct style of play last year where, you know, you look to get the ball to Higuain as quickly as possible. And then, you know, he either holds it up or, or makes something out of nothing. And Montreal was kind of prone to goals against the run of play, which, you know, happened uh, on, on a couple occasions like for against you guys. So uh, I think that Montreal's still a very strong road team. I think, you know, they were, they were outside of the shootout era, they were the best road team. Of, they had the best road season ever in MLS history last year. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, nabbed the draw. I, I, I think, I don't think they have, uh, enough to, to win it yet. I don't think the they have enough to, to, to get three points, but I could I could very realistically see a two two draw happening. Yeah, I think two. I think a two two is, is a good number. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it, it was always it's always been an interesting matchup against Montreal, but like our team is very very different from what we had last year. Like, yeah, we lose Hewain, but we added, you know. Joseph Martinez. So where it looks like we're going to be running a, a you know two guys up top. You know the formation. Everyone is kind of scratching their heads again, and, and it's it, it at least it feels like. And and based on what we saw in the friendly, you know, even Phil doesn't necessarily know you know who's going to be where in terms like at least for two out of the eleven positions. Nine of the eleven, it, it's it's pretty set in stone, but. You know, we don't know who's going to be number 10. Is Pizarro going to start? You know, is Taylor going to start? So it's um, it, it's a little worrisome. There, there is some excitement because it did feel like we got a little better in, in every phase of the, the field. But at the same time, they're, they're, we're four days away and there's still so much question marks, which is, is very on brand for us as a club. You know, our <laughs> lack of depth at the number 10 position or, or lack of clear-cut starter or proven starters really – my biggest worry because I, I don't know who's going to get the service up to Campania or um, or Martinez. So I, I think if we can find someone who can get it up to them, we'll be good. But, you know, I think that might be an area where we're going to see probably a lot of midfield battling it out, um, you know, on Saturday. And, you know, you guys are pretty deep in midfield. So, I don't know if that bodes well for us or not, but I, I could totally see a two-two draw, um, you know, or maybe one-one draw till the end, and then somebody sneaks in a last last-minute goal, and I that would be very we'll MLS. See. Yeah, I mean, yeah. nothing is as MLS as Emerson's goal last year, where he's stumbling and bumbling, <laughs> tripping and falling, and he's on his backside, and he somehow gets in the back of the net. Um, if I'm looking at it just historically, I'm I'm probably gonna go. Uh, I'm, I'm probably gonna go two one. I'm not sure who's gonna pull it out at the end. Uh, whenever we play, there's always more than one goal. Besides one time in the history of us playing, and that was back, I believe, in 2021. So I would have to say it's gonna be two one. I'd like to say the boys pull it out, but because we are so secretive in everything we do down in uh, Miami. I, I can't really give you an honest an honest answer besides that at this point. Yeah, there's yeah, a, I think there's it's a, a lot of similarities flip. in that front. Yeah, 
I, I think with, with you, you know, it, similarly to Montreal, there's a lot to be excited about. I mean, uh, you know, hopefully Joseph kind of reverts back to who he was, you know, before the injury and kind of all the drama with um, with Atlanta. You know, we we lot we we definitely improved our back line, which was a huge huge question mark. You know, we traded away Davian Lowe, but we signed uh, Sergey Kristoff from um, from Shakhtar and. <laughs> And we're moving McVeigh from left back into a natural in his natural position in center back, and we signed Negri, who who performed very well on uh, on Saturday at the, the 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 friendly, and then you know just the midfield is is the biggest question mark for us, and you know I'm a, I'm of the belief that midfield wins and loses games, so it's going to be interesting. I think it I think it'll be fun. Um, I'm really excited to see you guys when you, when you all get down here. Uh, I'm excited to see if, if any of you, you know, escape the cold that I'm sure you're in and, and make it to our, to our humid hellscape. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit out of my, uh, it's a bit out of my budget, unfortunately. And I don't think the Canadian press has, a has a budget to, to send me down to Florida, which would be nice. But, you know, if I couldn't go down for preseason, I don't think I'll be able to go down for the game, especially because we get most of the coverage from the Associated Press. But uh, got it. I'll be watching from home, that's for sure, and uh, very excited to see what kind of uh, what kind of product both teams have. Because again, like you said, you know, both teams are are kind of shrouded in mystery at this point, and there's some things we know, but there's you know the the the, the few things we don't know are massive question marks. You know, are, are, are game changing question marks. So. It'll be nice to see just how well or poorly or poorly both teams have kind of answered those questions. Absolutely. So I have kind of a, a fun question that'll that'll segue us into a bit of a different conversation. So, you know, we we, we see our we, we see ourselves in, and we have a perception of our own club. So what what are like Montreal fans and supporters like? What is your perception of Inter Miami? As a club, honestly, it's it's David Beckham. It's it's bringing in stars. That's that's the biggest thing, right? And then the whole thing with potentially Sergio Busquets arriving, and obviously Lionel Messi. There's uh, again long shots, but the fact that you know David Beckham started off like off the bat talking about how he wants to bring some of the biggest stars in the world here. That I think that's such a the perception a lot of a lot of teams or a lot of fan bases around the league have of Miami where it's, you know, it's going to be a, a destination. And that's one of the reasons, again, I think that a lot of players who are kind of looking to close out their careers, look at MLS and look at, you know, how many, you know, Frank Lampard, Pirlo, and Davia, you know, chose New York for a reason. Regidia Drogba chose Montreal for a reason. It's because there's a huge Ivorian community in Montreal. But at the end of the day, you know, Bale and Chiellini choosing LA, they're going to go to, cities where they want to live in. And I think that's kind of another thing that Miami has going for them is you, you are an attraction for some of the biggest stars in the world. And I'd love to see Messi in MLS. That's, that'd be, that'd be incredible. But <laughs> I think that's still a ways down the road, but someone like Sergio Busquets would be incredible uh, in MLS. And you saw it with Victor Wanyama, who's similar profile in terms of a, a, a methodical uh, pacemaking Deep line play, deep line midfielder, and Sergio Busquets would thrive in a role like that. Yeah, if 
it's exciting to think about what the future may hold for us, but I've got to be honest. I mean, being in it down here, like I'm so sick of hearing the messy rumors, the, the boost guys. I can imagine. Yeah. Cause it's like, every, it's, it's every day, man. It's every day. And then it finally qualifies up for, it's like at some point, at, at some point, like, like just make a decision, bro. Like I'm tired of like <laughs> rolling out of bed, opening up Twitter and, and you know, Fabrizio Romano tweets, oh, no, you know, all, all of a sudden Messi wants to leave. Oh, it's a done deal. He signed with PSG. Then he's he's not. It's like, yeah. just, just make a decision. I mean, as a Barcelona but, fan, yeah. it's, it's it's hell as well because now apparently he's signing with Barcelona. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I saw that today too. Now. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. but tomorrow he's probably going to have signed the deal with, with PSG again. But the day after, I think he's going to Miami. So we'll see what the, what the Twitter – circus has for us but yeah i understand how it's at some point you're just desensitized you're like look if there's something official okay but i don't want to hear any more speculation i'm just sick and tired of it well it definitely makes it hard to even jump on social media and look at that stuff anymore because like we all say like one point fabrizio saying one thing and then leo's dad is saying another then leo saying something then you know, PSG saying one other thing so once we're done and dusted and we can finally focus on moving on it'd be great I know the fans here have a lot of questions as to why we haven't made moves. Is he coming? Is he not? Are we doing this? Are we not? Let's just be done with it. Make the decision, be done with it, move on. Yeah. And it's easy to have hope because, you know, we, we all become conspiracy theorists with with our team, right? And it's like, oh, they didn't really sign a 10. They're leaving it open. The jersey's still available. So everyone's kind of like, you know, connecting the dots on the, on the cork board and, and trying to, you know, figure it out. But, you know, that it, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess we are a destination, but at the end of the day, like, <laughs> we are kind of over it for the yeah, most part. Yeah, we still have, like, the, the we, we have a huge, con- yeah, we have a huge contingency of, like, not just Messi fans, but just, like, La Liga fans between Barcelona, Madrid, you know, the whole nine, just being a, a very strong Latin community. So people are definitely, definitely clamoring and banging down the door for, for Messi to come here. Um, but in that light, so kind of shifting more to like, a, a, I guess, a more personal regard. So what's the club culture and the supporter culture like for, for Montreal? Well, the, the, the main goal that Joey Saputo had when he started the club and he, he poured so much money into it when it wasn't necessarily financially viable is to kind of make this a community club right it's not community owned it's owned by Judas Sapoto but it is a, a representation of the community so uh, there's a bunch of community involvement there's a bunch of community programs it is trying to reflect the city of Montreal as much as possible it's also why they take such pride in uh in in promoting these homegrown players these people from Montreal because they understand just how important it is to to play in front of for a city like this it's it's very difficult to kind of stake your corner of the Montreal sports market when it's like ninety five percent Habs coverage and it's just Montreal Canadiens and NHL and that's it. So you know anything left is has historically been kind of gobbled up by the Alouettes and the CFL. So there's very little aside from diehard fans for soccer. But, you know people going to soccer games and. Now, in the last few years, it, it's improved. You know, we had Didier Drogba, and then he left, and Nacho Piatti, who's been, uh, who, who was, uh, who's a club legend, and then he kind of reinvigorated the passion for the city. And then 
So very slowly but surely, they've kind of set it up to become almost like a resource for people that want high-quality soccer but also want to see themselves reflected in it. And that is the main objective. And that's why, you know, Olivier Renard calls it Projet Montréal. And that's because he wants it to be almost entirely run through youth and through Canadian youth and the academy and stuff like that. So, I mean, he, he's even going so far as to bring Canadian youth back from Europe, right? You have Gilbert but you also have someone like Ilias Idiadis, who um, came from the, the Panathinaikos reserve team, who's born in Toronto, but, you know, it's another Canadian youngster. So that's really the fundamental goal is to make this representation of Montreal soccer community. And even though there's so many Canadians, it's such a wide variety of ethnicities and backgrounds. And Montreal being such a, a an immigrant-heavy city with so many different ethnicities, it's important to have that represented. And so I think that's ultimately... Obviously, you know, on the field, you want a good product. But I think the fact that they're pushing for this product this way is kind of a, a way of not making amends, but, you know, sometimes a club does find itself in hot water and, and usually it's self-inflicted and they keep Feel having that. to, yeah, they keep having to, to kind of reposition themselves and rebrand, right? This is the third rebrand. This is the second rebrand in like, you know, five years, four or five years. And they keep on having to make amends with, with the city and with the people. And so it happened again when they hired uh, uh, the coach for the under-23, the, the, the highest, most academy team. Um, and it, that's a whole bag of cats that we won't get into. But again, it was, you know, them having to go to the people and say, again, we messed up, we're sorry, and have to make amends. So it's it's a labor of love. But at the same time, uh, people that have grown up with the team it's very difficult to, to, to kind of just turn your back on that. You know, we've had so many uh, incredible moments, be it, you know, uh, playoff runs, be it Champions League moments uh, at Olympic Stadium mostly. So it's some really, really difficult. It's really difficult to kind of just abandon a team like that. And that's why people keep coming back. But at the end of the day, Montreal has to make a covenant with the people of the city and with the community they're trying to, to represent because you may be privately owned, but you're in the public trust. And sometimes they kind of forget that. And then they're reminded very quickly because there's one thing Montrealers do, it's let you know how they feel immediately. So, you know, I, I'm looking forward to see that, you know, they, they seem to be on the right track now with, they finally have a logo and they finally have a, a, a message and, a system that kind of represents Montreal. So hopefully that can evolve further. That's yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. Um, uh, yeah, I know it's a club that's definitely, it's, it's seen some, some, it's had some incredible moments and obviously like Drogba coming and, and playing yeah. for Montreal was, was massive for, for the league and, and for, you know, putting eyes on the league and on Montreal specifically. Um, one thing I thought that was cool, and I think it's a it's a great part of the Apple MLS, you know, pass, is the the rituals, uh, yeah. the, the ritual series, and, and I saw yours, and I was absolutely intrigued. I love the idea of like supporters sitting on either end of the stadium. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that a, it, what was, was that by design or is that something that just kind of ended up happening that way? It, 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 it was by design, but it did happen organically. Um, again, for a decent amount of time, especially recently, um, the one side, one, one of those supporters ends was empty because there was um, some complications during a, a TFC derby game where the police was involved and they had been the most critical of the first rebrand that changed it from Montreal Impact to CF Montreal. And they had been very critical specifically of like, you know, certain individuals that were the, the, the poster boys, if you will, of this rebrand. So the club kind of saw this as an opportunity to shut that section down. And so for a decent part of the 2021 season, um, the stand behind one of the nets was just empty. It was just deserted. And it was really difficult, not just like, again, I, you cover the game as a journalist and you're, you're involved in the crowd, but you're still a little removed because you're in a press box and you don't get the full effect. But you could tell that the first game they were back, it was an incredible feeling. So the fact that they're trading chance and the fact that it's almost it's 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 competitive, but it's in good fun. There's a give and take. Um, they're very rarely chanting at the same time, unless it's like a, a a typical one. The rest of the chants are very much unique to each side, and they kind of lob it back and forth. And it makes for a great atmosphere. It's so much fun to be there. That's yeah, that's incredible. And I think the ri- I mean, I can only assume as a fan watching, but it, the, the ritual series painted a really cool picture yeah, of yeah. how yeah. Montreal operated. Um, but do the do the supporters groups get along for the most part, or, or is there? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's great. They, they, they get along again. They they're they're united in a common goal, right? And that's that's supporting the club. Um, during the more controversial times, especially during the rebrand, there was a lot of infighting. But that's it wasn't between the two supporter groups. It was just between every single member of like anybody that was a fan of Montreal had a different take on it, and it was just mass arguments on Twitter and on Instagram and everywhere. And you couldn't go onto any Montreal post without being an absolute nightmare. Um, but that's gone a lot better, especially because, you know, if the team's performing, then they don't have, they don't have to focus on other stuff. You get to focus on the, the, the team playing and that MLS, the, all the MLS past videos um, did more harm than good because I realized that I have to wait until like the month of, of April to see uh, a game at Saputo Stadium because the only home game that they have is at Olympic Stadium, and I love Olympic Stadium, but it's not Saputo Stadium. And uh, the first, like, of the first seven games, uh, they have one home game, so it's it's going to be incredibly frustrating to watch these games and go and check the calendar every day. Like, when are they getting back? Um, and MLS Pass did a great job of making me want to see the team live even more, and making me realize that I have to wait another like month and change to do that at Central Stadium. Yeah, I promised that I would behave, so I'm not going to comment on anything oh, in, in regards to our supporter culture, but I will just say I'm envious. That's all. That's one thing I, I will do take the pride same. in as a Montreal sports fan. We, we are cynical, and we do complain a lot, but through thick and thin, they will be there. And, you know, even the Habs games where, you know, they've been abysmal at best uh you know it's great crowds and i've been to a couple games this year and you know still bottom 10 of the league but 
every single game is is maybe not sold out, but it's rockets and the fans show up. And that's something that I'm very proud of as as a Montreal sports fan. I think the uh, famous quote from Jose Mourinho is, "If I speak, I am in trouble." So I, I kind of have to keep keep that one to myself. But I will say that, you know, it is nice looking across the league, just looking even at the LA Galaxy movement that the fans are holding some of their clubs mm-hmm. um, to, to, to task. And it's nice to see that <laughs> you guys are very vocal at what you want with the club and the club responds really well. Uh, it's, it's hopefully going to set a trend for the league, I would hope. Um, but yeah. I mean, it, it's awesome to see support that you guys have up there from your fan base and the city in general. It's, just, it's only a shame that, you know, the nearest two teams are, are New York and Toronto, and they're both a six-hour drive away. So, you Yeesh. know, traveling fans is not an easy thing for Montreal, so that's why when they play at home, people turn out. Yeah, well, speaking of traveling fans, we're kind of going to segue into some fun stuff here because – we have a contingent in our community that's going to be making the trip north for the Montreal oh, really? away game. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were, they had a couple of questions that we thought were interesting in the, in our chat that we have going on. So I'd like to pose them to you. Absolutely. What, what would you recommend that like, what's must do things on an away day in Montreal? Uh, if you have one day in Montreal, um, when you, when, when's the, when's the game that, Montreal is hosting. You guys are coming here. Do you know? I Off think it's. I want to say July. If it's if yeah, it's I, in July, um, I was going to say it's really humid, but you guys live in Florida, so I, I can't remember. We, yeah, we are humidity. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, May twenty seventh. May twenty seventh. Yeah. Okay. In May. Oh, that's perfect. The old port. Um, there's plenty to do. It's. It, morning noon and night there's always something going on it's beautiful um and it's it's really for any kind of taste they have um you know if if you go to the ferris wheel um it's a little on the pricey side it's beautiful make sure somebody else is paying um but it's an awesome (laughs) ride uh but yeah the old port i definitely recommend if you've got one one day in montreal especially in you know late spring early summer absolutely um the old port Nice. Nice. That's uh, exciting. Yeah. I, I've, it, Montreal's been on my list. I haven't, I haven't been able to go. I've, <laughs> I've been in Toronto and I'm, I'm, I'm a fan, admittedly. I know that may, may not sound great to you, but I, Montreal is definitely on my list. It's, it's definitely a place I want to check out one day. I'm, I'm spoiled to say I only grew up about two hours from Montreal. So I've been there countless times. It's, uh, it's definitely one of my favorite cities. It reminds me of old world Europe. If you've got the chance yeah. to go up and visit it, definitely old port is beautiful. Uh, spend some time along the St. Lawrence river. It's, uh, yeah. definitely one of my favorite places to go. All right. Maybe next year I'll make the trek. We'd love to have you You guys go. I'll my, go uh... back up. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Um, the, the, the away supporter section so, is always bumping, so feel free to join. Yeah, and and I one thing it. I will say about Inter Miami supporters is they they do show up even on the road. We bring and, the noise, and, and we're loud. <laughs> we we are loud. It's it's very Latin of us. Um, what is <laughs> what is your favorite restaurant in Montreal? Favorite restaurant in Montreal? Jeez, uh, that, that's a that's a tough question. Because it really does depend on on what you're feeling like. Um, 
you know, I went to a really like you get good one, you get one chance, you get one meal, like you, you I get okay, one meal is, and it's you. incredibly basic. But if, if this is again, if this is for the supporters visiting, um, near Parc La Fontaine in the in the plateau, it's La Banquise. It's you know, it's open twenty four seven and twenty four seven. There's a lineup, but it is you know some of the best puts in in the city. Uh, absolutely Oof. delicious. Uh, definitely make definitely make the trip. And it again, it is. Um, it is a little bit basic, so if anyone from Montreal is listening, yes, I'm sorry, it's a bit basic, but it's one of those stops that you absolutely have to do, uh, just because it's great portions, and again, I, I, I genuinely mean it, anytime you show up there, and they're open 24 hours a day, anytime you show up there, even in the morning, there is a lineup, so <laughs> maybe be ready for a wait. Okay, what was the name of it again? Awesome. La Banquise, it's uh, near Parc La Fontaine, and okay. uh, in, in the plateau. All right, so for, for those of you listening that are making the trip, there it is. Put it on the list. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so uh, we're going to begin to wrap things up. All right, we just have a couple – we'll call it rapid fire. Why not? Let's do it. Um, just a couple things. Just give, it, give us your take. <laughs> and, yeah, so – the first one, what is your favorite and least favorite of the new MLS kits that were recently released? So my favorite is Austin's. It's beautiful. I love the green. I know it's a hot take and I know that people didn't like it. I, I but again, I'm a sucker for a nice green kit and I don't know, it just it, it, it hits for me. Um I'm pleased it's to say that my least kit. favorite That's kit. why you like it. I'll neither confirm nor deny that. Um <laughs> My least favorite, I'm very proud to say, is the Toronto FC kit because that thing is just plain ugly. Um, I, I I don't know what direction they tried to take the kit in. I'm as a policy, I don't like horizontal stripes, uh, especially if they're like that that far apart, and then they have like the red outline and everything, and it's the black and the gray. I just think that they, they, it was a missed opportunity, especially with how many of the new MLS jerseys are very nice and bright and colorful they went in the opposite direction so yeah silver lining is that montreal hasn't dropped theirs yet it's been leaked it hasn't been officially released but it doesn't matter what they drop it's not going to be as bad as that tfc one i can i can definitely get on board with the with a toronto (laughs) seat i can i can get on board i'm not a huge fan i typically i like like the old whores like the old hoops like think like old celtic like yeah. love that, um, but yeah, with, with Austin, that's definitely a hot take. I think I think it's it's a mess, but I do love, and we saw it on on Saturday. Their weight kit, that kind of mint green that they have, mm-hmm. is spectacular. Um, I have a contra- I have a bit of a controversial favorite kit. My my favorite is Charlotte. That's God. not controversial at all. I like that. One. I pe- people, at least at least at least on our side of things, like people seem to really hate it, but. As someone who lived near Charlotte for, you know, I went I went to college over there. It I love how they matched up with the Charlotte Hornets, the the NBA yeah. team, and I think those colors like really represent the city. And I, and I personally, I love the, the purple and like light blue teal thing they got going on. But if you like watching Pop Tarts running around the field <laughs> for ninety minutes, that's 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 perfectly fine. I Baby, think I it looks food. hideous. I mean, we both do. There's no secret to that. But I mean, <laughs> I I actually even hate Wildberry Pop Tarts. Hot take. There it is. I said it. That's that's a, ter- but, that's a terrible take. Ooh, I don't know. I know it's okay. But 
uh, for me, I personally fell in love with Minnesotas. I absolutely I do love Minnesotas. the, the uh, Aurora. I love the uh, nod to their, you know, being close to Canada, having the Northern Lights come down. You know, that, that was a really nice kit. Um, obviously, I'm going to say I hate Orlando's because that's easy to do. Uh, I, <laughs> You guys know the one I hate the most, though. I hated New York City's kit when it came out. I hated the subway tiles. I hated the just the overall vibe yeah, they were trying to go with. You're, you're a United no, no, fan no, that no, hates the city group. Correct, but we're going to look past that. <laughs> Every time some like it's subway this subway that for New York, yes, I understand. What else do they that. have? You have public transit. Congratulations! Giant rats <laughs> and pizza. All right, their supporters um, are called the pigeons. If that makes any, if that makes any yes, better. and yes, and the blue boys. Mm. But um, I mean, that, that's my take. Brant, what's yours? What do you got? My my favorite was the Minnesota kit. Um, so nice. Far and away, my favorite. Uh, least favorite, and this is going to be a hot take and it's controversial. I know Jay, if he was on here, would be yelling at me. So initially it was one of my favorites, but now I've, I've thrown it at the bottom is the, the Nashville, um, Johnny Cash really? kit. Wow. I love Johnny I'm disappointed Cash. In you. I love Johnny Cash, but if I'm you look at the you. details on that kit, all they did is put his signature on the back and a picture of him on that kit. They could have done so much with that kit, and I feel like it's disrespectful to put Johnny Cash's name on that. But kit. Johnny Cash is the man in black. It's so right? Johnny Cash. But there's, but the, like they could have done stuff with the sleeves. They could have done. He like, was the man in black. black. He always wore black. But he was, right? yeah, but he was he a simple like, guy too, right? It wasn't the. Yeah, he wasn't flashy. It's not like an Elvis kit. Like that would make sense. No, but, but they could have awesome done. Kid. They could have done a couple more. To, they could have added some more detail to it. Like we've seen a lot of subtle details that really have made kits like the heartbeat for inner Miami, the heartbeat on the sleeve. I thought like really kind of brought it all together. I just didn't feel like it brought, brought Johnny cash together. That that's my hot take. Well, do, you, do you want like Folsom? Do you, want, you want like Folsom, Folsom prison blues, like the lyrics on the, on, on the ribs or something. That's insane. No, but, no, but like was, some something else. Like I, I just an all black kit with just his signature and a picture of him on it is not. That's so Johnny Cash, though. No, it's not. It, it's it not. is. It, it is. I will say. So can we at least? They could have say, taken his guitar agree. strap, the pattern that he used to have on that. They could have put it on that. They could have put the the pattern from his guitar somewhere, just like an inlay. It doesn't have to be. It could have been black or a different shade of black. It didn't have to stick out. Hey, not every one of us can be right, and and it's okay. Listen, it's all right. But can we at least agree that we all, to a degree, like the Bruce Lee kit that Seattle Sounders put out this year? Because that looks yeah, that looks a top five. I'm I'm a huge fan. I wish they kept it green, but and I and I hate this be like nitpick that like that, but. It's awesome. I love that. The one, one that I do really strongly dislike is is New England Reds, the the River Plate knockoff, the uh, high school yeah. sweetheart prom sash. Yeah, homecoming queen. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, that was also like in my of, of my two least favorite. It's definitely Toronto and LA's. Um, I found LA to just yeah. Play. I wasn't a, I, I wasn't a huge fan of LAFCs. This one was just not it. The Dallas, I think, Dallas is those flames oh on there. It reminds me of a Hot Wheels car, like the flames I, that were yeah, on the side of a car. It's terrible. 
FC you know, Dallas reminds me of Nashville and Dallas for me. I forgot about that one until just now. That's how much I hate that kit. <laughs> the, the the flames on the FC Dallas remind me of like when when you when you turn on like the new the new FIFA you just purchased and you you fire up Ultimate Team like that's the jersey they give you so you can like they get they can so you can play a couple games before you can unlock something actually worth wearing. <laughs> um, but all right, on to the next one. So. You can select the team or a player or both. Who is the biggest surprise this season? Who is going to be the biggest surprise this season? Ooh, I love how everyone quiet. Love that. I think Lucas Zilleran from Columbus is going to be the biggest surprise of the season. I think I that like that he's take. been a, a very consistent and creative midfielder. I think that his partnership with Cucho Hernandez is going to make him an absolute rock star. I still think Cucho is going to be the, the star of that team, but I think that Zlaran's going to elevate himself to be, you know, one of the best attack. He already is one of the best attacking midfielders, but he's going to end up being, you know, like top five, even top three this year. If they, they, they click the way they did in that span when he first got, when Cucho first got here and they were just rock stars, I think that he's going to be, you know, incredible. Okay. I do like that take. I think that's a solid take. Are you are you going to pick a team also? Or are you just going to stick with play? God, I don't want to say this, but I think Toronto's going to have a good year. And I uh, hate ooh. that I'm saying this, but I think Toronto's going to be the biggest surprise in that I don't think they're going to be like a top three team in the East, but I think they're going to be comfortably a playoff team. I think they might even, you know, finish above Montreal this year. And I hate that I'm saying this. So don't tell anybody I said this, but they're they're becoming a proper team, right? They still have issues in the midfield. I still think that's where their biggest weakness is. But their attack is, is going to be really good. They short up their defense and they obviously, you know, the addition of Sean Johnson, we know how good that Sean Johnson is and, and Montreal fans are still traumatized by his performance with NYC FC uh in the playoffs. So I think that, you know, this team has all the pieces and now they just have to, you know, get it to click because they're going to be really, really strong. Well, too bad for you. I already tweeted it. Uh, Ben, (laughs) Ben, biggest surprises here. Uh, I think this is going to be finally the year that the Red Bull make the push. and I I can see them finishing higher than where they finished last year. Um, I mean, it's going to be kind of typical for me to say, I I think this is the year that Lewis pops out and becomes one of the biggest names in the league. He started to round out his form. Uh, They're adding more depth around him. Uh, They've looked pretty good during the preseason, so I don't see why barring another mid to late season collapse for the Red Bull that they can't can't push forward and at least contend for top of the East. Just my take. Okay. Brandon, what are your thoughts? Um, so my biggest surprise, and I'm going to go negative on both of them. My biggest surprise is going to be LA Galaxy. I do not think with the nine teams, maybe they make the playoffs as the nine seed or eight seed, but I don't, I see them struggling to make the playoffs this year. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, we kind of did a West coast preview show last week and, and we kind of touched on it and, you know, I I don't know how they're going to survive without the international transfers in the summer. And I think that's, what's going to kill them and, and hurt their season. And then the unrest, with the fans and things like that. I think, 
I think LA Galaxy is just going to be a garbage or a dumpster fire this year. So my my other hot take player wise is I don't think Sean Johnson is going to have a good year. Uh, I I think there's a reason why and why or New York City didn't didn't fight harder to keep him. And I I have a feeling that it's a big hype signing and I don't know that it works out. I like Sean Johnson. I hope it does. But I, I just I, I think there's a reason behind that. So I think he's going to have a bad season right. and may not even be the starter by the end of the season. Oh, I hope you're right. Wow. Right. All right. Um, my biggest surprise, um, I think uh, Minnesota is going to be better than they were last year, like significantly better. I think they can potentially be a top four or five team in the West. A lot of great signings. Um, love Heath as a coach. So that's my thought. Um, moving on to the next one. All right, and Brandon, Brandon, you kind of screw this up with your your answer, but whatever. Well, who's going to be the biggest bust, team or player? And Brandon, you don't get to answer. I could give you the both. second biggest. Okay, go. Well, you guys go, and then I'll round it out. Okay. Yeah. So i I was going to say LA, but you know, being too, I, I think Nashville is going to struggle this year. I think that you know, there's only so much Honey Mokhtar can do before. You know, it becomes unsustainable. He can, you know, contribute 30 goals a season, but he has no other help and they haven't signed a proper, you know, big name number nine to help him with that production. And I think they're going to suffer for it because, you know, if he can play false nine or something, there's there's only so much he can deliver before you need help around him, right? So I think that Nashville is going to really suffer this year. I'm going to have to go with New York City. I mean, I don't see that they've done anything to bolster the loss of all of their mainstays, including Maxi Morales. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I I know I'm kind of staying local between the Red Bull and, and New York City, but I just, I keep looking at New York City saying, what have you done to, to build my confidence up? What have you done to say that you're going to be back there? Barring, you know, the, the Citigroup group bailing them out with a massive loan of players from one of their 16 different teams around the world. I, I just don't see them performing at the same level they did last year. Okay. Yeah. For me, uh, my biggest plus, I think <coughs> twofold, I think, I think uh, real Salt Lake has a, a major, pretty significant drop off uh, this season. Um, and also I, <coughs> I'm not just saying this because, I hate them, but I think Orlando isn't going to be as good as everyone thinks they are. And I don't have a whole lot of substance to support that, but Orlando is going to Orlando. I don't think we need substance for that. I I just, I like it. I just, yeah, they're just going to suck. It's fantastic. (laughs) I didn't say they're just stuck. I said I don't think they're going to be as good. I've seen people putting them at the top of the East, you know, top two, top three. I don't top think they're the I think they're comfortably a playoff. T- yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think I don't think they're. I don't think they're. I think they're comfortably a playoff team, but I don't. I don't think they're world beaters by any stretch. So. Yeah. So the second biggest bust on my uh, my list is I think 
I so first off person, um, and I'm surprised you didn't pick this one, Callie. Roman Berkey. <laughs> I think I don't think he's gonna live up to the DP name tag. I mean, he may have a decent season, but he's not gonna have a DP caliber season. Um, DP goalkeepers a choice. Yeah, you had me second guessing after our show last week, so I went back and watched like some of his footage that I could find from recently, and I think he might have a problem. <laughs> so two goalkeepers, I'm, I'm not high on, but then the other, um, the other team I think that is is going to be a bust this year is I think, I think it's going to be uh, Houston. I think. There, I've seen some people picking them to make the playoffs some for some reason, and and I can't figure it out. I I just they're really missing. I like look that at guy. their roster. Well, that and and like they're starting a rebuild. Like they just brought in uh, Ben Olsen, so they're starting from the beginning. But I've saw I've seen places where they put them in the playoffs, and I just don't see how that they're a playoff team yet. I mean, maybe the thing with MLS is we're making these predictions, and the summer window is going to come, and all these teams are going to change, and then throw our predictions out but <laughs> yeah so those are my two okay and finally and we'll wrap it up with this um who wins the mls cup who wins it all who hoists a trophy at the end i think it's still la's to lose honestly it's they've only gotten better i think you know the only real depth issue was at the nine but at the end of the day they're so strong and, you know, there's some teams that could have put up a fight. You know, I think that uh, Austin's gotten a lot better. I think Philly is, you know, going to continue to improve. But at the end of the day, you know, those top teams will definitely give LA a run for their money. Um, hopefully we get another banger of a MLS Cup final. That'd be awesome. But yeah. I still think it's LA's to lose, man. You know, Gareth Bale can leave, but they're still so strong. They're so packed with talent. Yeah, they're they're still ridiculously good. Um, yeah, we we covered them fairly extensively in our last episode, and and they've lost a bit, but they've certainly reloaded. I don't I don't know if they'll be as good as they were last year, but I still think they're you know arguably the best team in the league. My pick to win it all is Austin. Yeah, um, they're they're, they're I w- it's unfair to call them a dark horse because they finished second in the West last year, but man, even even seeing them on. On Saturday, um, you know, up front, they're, they're lethal. Absolutely lethal. You know, Drewsy moving with the ball is just, it's art, you know. Um, I think he's going to be an MVP candidate again this year. And, you know, they, they, they play some very good, clean footy. And, yeah, I think they're going to be a force. So. I don't want to say it because I'm just going to catch hell for it. Oh, no, no matter, I'm going to catch hell for it. <laughs> Do you want me and to I say know, it because I agree with you? Okay, go I know ahead and you're say going it. With this. Say it, just say it. So Than and I both think that the Philadelphia Union are the team who's going to lift MLS Cup. What's going to differentiate is who we, we think they're matching up against. So what, who who's do you that? think, Than? I think it's a repeat. I think we had a repeat. It's going to be uh, part two of the LAFC versus Union in the Cup. Uh, I think it will go down to the death once again. So I'm going a bit, I'm going dark horse on this one. I, I, I'm thinking Dallas. I think Dallas makes it to the final. 
I think they've quietly they've had a very quiet offseason. They've signed some homegrown signings that I think are what's going to make the difference because, you know, Elijah, just like you were saying about Montreal, Dallas develops talent yeah. in this league like nobody's business. And I, I have a feeling that they can maybe pull pull some upsets, especially once they get to – I mean, who knows with this new playoff system, though. So, yeah, you know, but – I hate it <laughs> I hate so it. much. I, I, don't mean, I, don't, I don't mean to extend the conversation, but that, that – yeah, it's it's just absurd. Two leg draws it's are right absurd. there in front of you've done it in the past and it's had incredible results. Yeah. And you're home and away, that's it. That's all we need. Exactly. We don't There's need no home need away home game. No. Yeah. And then like even if you're the team that, that makes it through there, now you're dog tired and you're now you have to play like a real playoff game. It's 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 insane. Can you imagine how long the playoffs are gonna take if every series goes like three games as well? It's gonna be it's ridiculous. You're extending the play. You're legitimately extending the playoff by like a month. So, I'm first. I'm hoping that every series just goes to the two games. <laughs> One team wins both games, and then the MLS can say, "Well, this was a bad idea." <laughs> but you and know, think, because you hope that it's not going to happen now, and it's all going to go three, and it's going to look terrible. And then it's my fault. Honestly, That's one true. way or another, it's not going to go well. I mean, there could be great, no, really won't. great games, but it's just it's not going to go well either way. Yeah, I think they're going to reverse it. Yeah, there might be one or one or two. Who made this decision? That, MLS trying to yeah. be like every other American professional. Papa Garber, you know. But all right, um, before we finally officially wrap up, uh, Elias, thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you um really looking forward to our matchup this weekend but uh where can our listeners find you yeah so you can find me on, on twitter at the e gregoriatis i write for the canadian press there's no real site for that but i share all my coverage on on twitter uh you can also find me uh on the ball is round every sunday evening at 6 30 we uh we talk canadian national team uh, men's and women's which is you know again never a dull moment with those two and obviously CF Montreal and then everything in between. So, you know, give us a, give us Very a listen. Cool. We have a lot of fun. Very cool. I will say, I was talking to somebody and we both kind of came to the conclusion that Alfonso Davies is probably the best North American player right now. Oh yeah. My thought. Yeah. Yeah. Give me that look. I, I know. I, I think, I think, you know, Jonathan David gives uh, a decent run for the money. I think, you know, Weston McKinney had a good run at Juve, but I don't know how he's going to fit in at Leeds. Dan is vehemently disagreeing. It is all about Captain America, baby. All about Captain America. (laughs) Adams, Christian Pulisic, baby. Let's go. Pride of Hershey, Pennsylvania. Dan, you're you're, you're never coming on my show again. I'm very sorry. (laughs) You're banned. Uh, We've we've just canceled away days. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, jokes aside, Alfonso Davies does definitely have to be probably the best player out of North America right now. He's on fire. I mean, I just watched him against Bayern, and while Bayern didn't get the result against Gladbach, he was all over the place. He was making moves. He was making runs, defending well. Uh, it's hard to ignore what he's doing, so it's uh, definitely I guess, like you guys said, number one player in North America. I think if Jonathan David leaves but, Berlin and leaves France and you know moves to, to a different league that maybe is a bit more competitive and still has that kind of production, he could give Davis a run for his money, but right now he's just Davies is so good. Yeah. But, again, Elias, 
thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having uh, me. It was awesome. And absolutely. Uh, that'll, that'll do it. Uh, hope to speak to you guys again in the future. Uh, I'm looking forward to perhaps collaborating again down the road. Okay. And we'll see you. Hopefully to get to welcome you guys when, if, if and when you, uh, you make the trip up to Montreal and we'll, we'll show you around. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening, guys. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I'm Callie. And I'm Brandon. And we're Away Days. We're Away Days. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, the whole nine. Subscribe, five stars, whatever it takes. Let's go.